This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, before we get the show started, Horse Radio Network for the first time has a wide selection of Horse Radio Network merchandise available for the holidays. Hats, saddle pads, masks, clothing, mugs, and so much more, either screen printed or embroidered. Get your orders in now for you or your HRN listening friends. Visit horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner on the homepage today. Happy holidays, everybody. This is episode 46 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Bait Saddles, and Cashel Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. We are wrapping up the year with something a little different today with record adoption numbers of retired racehorses as well as other horses adopted from rescue centers. We teamed up with Nikki Porter of Take the Reins podcast to offer some mindset coaching advice to help you start your goal planning for you and your retired racer for 2021. As you know, winter is coming and we want to give you our winter must-haves to still enjoy your horses while enduring the cold. And Leander joins us for our last training tip of the year, still can't believe that, as well as brings us our adoptable horse of the week just in time for Christmas. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. It's fitting, Joy, that we're going to talk about record number of horse adoptions, considering... You know, I kind of like I've been looking for something for myself because I, you know, I, I train a lot of horses, but I don't really have like a performance horse when I can go compete in shows. So I've been looking. And so I went to uh, Horse and Hound Rescue in Guthrie, Oklahoma, which is where I train a lot of horses from. And uh, I saw one. I saw you one, Joy. Saw oh one? God. I saw one and he's so pretty and he's so Aww. sweet and he's right off the track. He's been off the track like five days when I brought him home. And so he's going to need some downtime. So mm-hmm. I saw him and I loved on him and I put him in the round pin that they have. And I'm like, Ooh, I like it. I like it. And then there was a, she was like, well, there's one other one that came in with him. And so, uh, this is the gray horse. And so I put the gray horse back and I go to get the black horse and I'm like, okay, great. Well, I already love the gray horse. And then mm-hmm. I put the black one in the round pin and I was like, Oh my God. He's so nice, too. So, of course, you bogoed. Well, they might be both here rehabbing (laughs) from the track. So I just thought, you know, they're both super nice and I'm, I love them both and kind of whichever one I don't decide to adopt will stay for training anyway. So it just was like, it just made sense. But now that they're both here, I'm like, can I afford to? Like, they're so nice. I really don't think about the numbers, Jamie. That that is something you just cannot think about. You have to think about the love and the great memories and the investment you're making to your happiness. It's it's a business plan, right? It's part of the business (laughs) plan. So my brother-in-law made the mistake of coming over and he goes, how many horses do you have? And I was like, that is not a question you ask in this house. I was like, what are you doing? Don't ask that question. Because... You know, to be honest, I'd have to think because I'm with a couple senior or I've had three seniors that are kind of like out in the pasture. And then I've got some two babies and then I've got kind of a middle ground there somewhere. So it's not something I like to talk about. But the white horse, the gray horse now, we named him Parker. Peter Parker. And the other one um, is Australian. So we named him Heath after Heath Ledger. So it's Parker and Heath. They're here for a while just to, they're kind of doing their downtime, which is what, you know, when you take a horse off the track, they need time. Both of them raced last week. So they just, they, oh, I pulled wow. their plates and I'm like, y'all just go out. Of course I play with them every day and bring them up and groom them and smooch their noses and stuff. But other than that, they're just here to hang out. But yeah, it's been a crazy year with adoptions, people coming and going. So I'm really excited to talk to Nikki and, and also to Leandra because I, of course, 
our training tip question coincides with what I'm dealing with right now. So it's perfect. It's all kind of perfect at the end. It's really yes. perfect. Yeah. And what else is perfect is it's Christmas for this episode. And Yay! that is super exciting. We are the gift for you guys. But we also have some, you know, great advice to how to survive winter with our winter must-haves. And while it may be too late to ask for it for Christmas this year, there's going to be after Christmas sales, guys. So it's not I, too late. <laughs> I say it's not too late. And if your significant other friend or you you are buying it for yourself, then you can just put a little note. And if it doesn't arrive in time for Christmas, then you just put a little like or Hanukkah. It just put a little note in the tree that says it's on its way. And that's your reminder that your spouse or your partner or your mother or father or brother or sister or yourself has bought you something real nice. Exactly. So Jamie, let's start with you. What are your top winter must-haves? Okay. Well, there are three things that I, you know, I, I'm from Arizona. I lived in Georgia and Arizona. So I didn't know how to live in a winter in Oklahoma. There's like ice and wind and snow and sleet and all, all the things are here. <laughs> so there's three things that on the daily I wear and you just go one at a time. You want me to just give you all three of them. What do you want? Let's, let's go one at a time. Tell me what it is and why it's your favorite. Okay. So there is a boot that is awesome. And all of these things, people are not cheap, but that's because they're great. You know, like you can't buy cheap boots. They're not going to last you. I have had these boots. This is the third winter here in Oklahoma that I've had these boots. They're called dry shod is the brand. And they're the haymakers, dry shod haymakers, the high rubber boots for ladies. You can actually fold the top down and make them short boots if you want. But these things will walk through a wall. They are amazing. I have muck stalls in these for three years and they don't, there's no like separation in the bottom. They're still 100% dry. They're super warm Ooh. and they're easy to get on and off. And they, they're like little spur rests that they have, you know, where you mm -hmm. can like hook it on something and pull it off. It's like extra big. So it's really easy to get off. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. Dry shod haymaker, high rubber boots for ladies or for Love men. It. What's your, what's one of your items? So to kind of go along with that, cause I'm in Michigan, I've been in Michigan or my whole life. So winter is not a shy thing to me, but the one thing I, I really have to have is a good pair of wool socks. I have to have a good pair of wool socks to go in my insulated boots because it can get into the teens or under up here. And I really like the smart wool brand. They're super soft. They're colorful. They're kind of chic. If you want to wear them to the barn, obviously it's a great thing to have. But if you just want to wear them over your leggings at home and look cute, they're perfect for that too. They don't hold your sweat in, which is really nice. It's nice and um, air wicking. It's, it's, it's just the best wool what are they called? I've ever had. Smart wool. Smart wool, wool socks. We're going to, we'll put these on in our show notes so you guys can go back and look. I would say the next must have, and if you don't have these where you live, let me get a pen because they are the best riding pants, winter riding pants ever. It's a mom and pop company. And like when you buy something, there's usually like they include like a handwritten note thanking you for purchasing from them. It is called stickyseat.com is the website. Yeah. They're called sticky seats, but their winter riding pants are their polar tech fleece fabrics on the inside, but they're just regular nice fabrics. They don't like hay doesn't attach to them or anything like that. And the butt is so sticky. You have to be careful getting in and out of your car. Like you will not mm -hmm. slip at all. And people wear these things so much that people, they ski in them. They're that warm. They are ridiculous. They're little, they're tight. So there's no buttons or anything like that. You pull them on, you pull them off. They have boot cut for your big winter boots. They have uh, paddock oh, boot, you know, tapered legs. Nice. Yeah. At stickyseat.com. If you guys, I mean, for real, like these are the great, I have, I've asked for a pair every Christmas. So now I have three pairs cause I've lived here for three years <laughs> and they're amazing. And I would not survive winter without them. How about you? What's your second? So the next one is actually for my horse's comfort, which I have to have. And it's been many secrets of trying warming your bit. Growing up, my parents had me stick a cold bit under my armpit and warm it up, which is not <laughs> practical. And so I was like, okay, I got to figure out a better way. I don't always have access to an outlet where you can do like the dryer, some hot water or anything like that. I use hand warmers 
and it's the best thing. And instead, you don't have to buy any like the fancy bit holders if you don't want to. You can honestly take a child sock and use a safety pin, put it in there, wrap it around the bit. It stays hot for eight hours. So if you're working multiple horses, as soon as you get done and put that bridle on that horse, have your next bridle out. It'll be warming that bit while you're riding. So it's just ready to go. Are it you is like rechargeable or is it? I use the disposable hand warmers. Like I get the industrial box from Tractor Supply oh. and I just keep them and rotate them. I, I normally get them as a stuff or a stocking stuffer, which is great. That is a great idea. That's a great idea. Okay. I left this one to last because I'm pretty sure that your third and my third in our winter must-haves are exactly the same. And I'll ask, I'll tell you why, because you're the one who recommended this to me. <laughs> yes, you definitely read my mind on this one. Must-have. <laughs> I mean, it must be the Aurora, O-R-O-R-O, heated vest. That's a thing, people. There's a vest that you can put on. And it's, I've never worn a vest. I've never liked it. Like having, you know, my arms get cold. It doesn't matter. This thing, let's be honest when you're outside a bunch and we have a male producer, so he can quit listening right now, George. But, but when you're outside a lot and you're cold for a long time, your nipples start to hurt and chafe and chafe. But, oh my God, I come inside. My boobs hurt so bad. This has heated thing right over your chest. And the collar around the back of your neck is heated. The pockets are heated. What else can we say about this vest? Well, it lasts hours too. So even on the low setting, which like I said, it gets in the teens here. I can wear as a low set under my jacket and it's not too bulky. And it'll last like six to eight hours. It's amazing. You just charge it at night, put the battery in. It's not super heavy or awkward. Just kind of feels like a cell phone in your pocket. It, just like wipe it, hand wipe it clean when you're done. If your horse likes to rub its nose on it, like mine, but that's it, okay. <laughs> it's so fantastic. It's I, I mean, this, you re- recommending this to me, this is my first winter with one. I got it for my birthday back in October and you were like, yes, this is the one you want. And uh, dude, I'm it's life changing. And it's reasonably priced. I think it's 130 on Amazon. We'll link it in the show notes, but I've had mine since 2016 and it's still going strong. So definitely a good investment piece. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't live here without it. I did move back to Arizona. So Aurora heated vest, O-R-O-R-O. And when you do make a payment to PayPal, don't be afraid because all of a sudden I got a receipt that was all in Chinese. And yes. um, <laughs> I bought one for a friend this year because it's that great. Um, so just be, be, go to Sticky Seat if you want to go American made and American company and go Roro if you don't mind shopping in China. Yeah. <laughs> but meanwhile, those are winter must-haves. If you guys want to know more what we do, just shoot us a message. But for now, we're going to jump to our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products, and hear a great message from them. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. And to be expected, our last show of the year would have to have something happen. I don't know. Joy's audio just like <laughs> quit. So we called her on the phone. And so if it, if it sounds weird to you, it's because Joy's now on her phone. The Skype died. <laughs> yes, it, it does happen. But we're just kicking it like it's 1990. We're going retro and we're going to have fun with it. So <laughs> it I'm so excited. Good. It does sound a lot better. You guys will be grateful for it, even if it sounds a little vintage. But 
I'm excited to introduce our next guest. We have Nikki Porter, who's a professional equine mindset coach, author, and an HRN podcast host of Take the Reins. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And we're going to be talking a little bit about how to practice mindset coaching when you bring your racehorse home. And that's pretty exciting. But before we get into all that, where are you located right now? I'm in Nova Scotia, Canada. And And how old is it? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It, I know that we're in Celsius and you're in Fahrenheit, but we were, feels like minus 25 last night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is the first real cold snap that we've had. So it's like, we're not ready for it. We're not adjusted. So yeah, all the ponies are in and in lots of blankets. Oh Oh my goodness. For those playing along, I feel along like at we home, need mindset coaching for that. <laughs> minus twenty-five Celsius is negative thirteen Fahrenheit, so it's just cold no matter where you are. It is cold no matter where you are. That's right. Yeah. So it was the first like frozen water bucket day where you have to deal with all of the things like poop frozen oh. in the wheelbarrow and and all of that. So I mean, it's we're. We're in December, mid-December, so it took us this long to get here. A week ago, we were, you know, complaining that there was too much mud. So here we are. Well, the mud's gone. I have a question. Uh, Are you married? Do you need... uh, My brother's single. He lives in Georgia. Like, if you need help, just get... We can send some men power up there. I I am happily married, but I'll keep that in my back pocket. You know, you never know. If you need to get out of there, girl, just let me know. (laughs) Just let me know. All right. Thanks. (laughs) Well, Nikki, how did you get into mindset coaching? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, well, it's a good story, actually, because I was, I'm actually a teacher by trade. So I was an English and drama teacher, high school, and I loved my job. And I also decided, I don't know why, my daughter was about one years old and uh, my husband and I decided we would get even busier with our horse business. And so that was a little bit, uh, a little bit of a crazy decision. I don't know if we even really decided, I shouldn't say that. I think it just like took off and we ran with it. And so my husband and I were on the road with, we were doing at the time trail clinics, which have transformed into horsemanship clinics with with obstacles essentially. So we're on the road every weekend. We have a young daughter at home and I'm teaching 5 days a week. And what I started seeing was that I was like super super pumped coming off of my clinics on the weekends and then I was going into work and having a really hard time maintaining my energy and, you know, just doing my job and make, making sure that I was bringing my best self into my classroom. And so I really started diving into a lot of personal growth. And prior to that, I was really interested in it as well, more so just on a little bit of a personal growth journey and seeing different changes in my my own self and and where I wanted to go and reaching goals and that sort of thing. And then I started incorporating what I was learning into the horse side of things. And so what I started to see when I was teaching was that a lot of the communication things that were happening with people were happening from mindset level, but it was happening in all areas. So whatever their horse was showing and I'd say, okay, well this, 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 you, you know, this is what your horse is offering. They're like, oh my God, don't talk to my husband. Like that's what my husband would tell you right now. So, you know, I was having, I was really enjoying that. And then I decided one day that maybe I needed to make that what I do in order to be able to sustain a healthy energy for myself. So that's my story. Definitely one of those lovely, happy accidents of where it was meant to be. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Well, taking advantage of your skill set here, I want to run a scenario by you. Let's say with all, we've had record number of um, adoptions, especially in the racehorse industry, um, which really surprised us with covid just we thought there'd be an influx. So it's great to see, but that also Mm -hmm. means a lot of new horse owners have brought these horses home. 
what before someone is researching all of our adoptable horses of the week and saying, I really love this one, what should they be thinking in their head before they bring that horse home? Oh, that's a really good question. So with anything that we do, it's really important to understand our why behind it. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, if, if you're looking, let's, can we go to goals just for a second? Because typically, you know, if I'm saying, okay, I'm going to bring this racehorse home. uh, Normally that comes with a set of goals where you're like, okay, this is A, B, C, and D what I'd like to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So if we think of it that way, then it's really important for us to think of, okay, where am I right now? And and why, why am I wanting this? Why am I wanting to bring this animal home? And then what am I looking to accomplish? So when you look at where I am right now, where I want to be, and the why, then you start to be able to come up with some answers of like, okay, what do I need to do in order to be prepared? So personally, am I you know, of the mindset that I can... I guess, approach the situation mindfully in order to be able to deal with all of these new challenges and new situations that are going to be arising because there's so much to taking a horse home, whether they're just a horse, you know, that you acquire off of, uh, off of somebody who has it already trained for your own discipline that you're looking to do, or especially if you're taking something and you're saying, I'm going to revamp your skill set, essentially. That's a great way to look at it, especially that pre-goal setting and kind of some self-awareness, self-reflection before you pick that horse. And what about, how would you recommend someone to analyze their deal breakers? You know, for, for me, I know I don't have the time to rehabilitate a horse who might have had a massive injury. So I couldn't open my home to a horse who would need that. That's a deal breaker for me personally. How would you recommend someone to narrow down that list when you have this influx of available horses in front of you? That's a really cool question. I honestly, I feel like it comes down to really assessing your your values in the situation. So if I value taking my horse and going to, let's say going to the, the thoroughbred racehorse or the thoroughbred makeover, mm-hmm. if that's something that I'm like, this is, this is where I want to go. Um, then again, you're probably not going to go into that realm of rehabilitation. But if you know that the competition is really not a value of yours, and that isn't something that is, is, you know, in your future goals, let's say, then you just want to maybe create a safe place and a safe environment for an animal rather than them being sent somewhere that you're uncomfortable with. So you want to be a part of of something positive for, for this animal. So you understand that with the choices that you make based on what horse you're getting, you have different responsibilities as a horse owner. Also understanding that no matter what, even if your, you know, your goals are to go to the makeover with your horse, that it's a, it's a possibility that you're going to have to modify and pivot those goals based on different situations. So whether that horse comes to you and all of a sudden you realize that um, they get ulcers easily, or maybe they have a, a prior injury that you didn't know about, different things like that, where you really have to pivot and look at you know, am I capable of pivoting at this time in order to be able to be the best horse owner that I can be and be the best person at the same time? Does that's that answer a great your way to look at it? Okay. Yes. Yes. I think that's a good way. Almost looking at, I, I don't want to use the word consequences, such a negative connotation, but kind of seeing the consequences of the action, which horse you bring home and kind of the illustrate your own story in a way, what the actions are going to have to follow after. I just think that's a really great way to put it. But also being super, super flexible, right? Super flexible in the fact that, you you know, you just, you just never know. I think 2020's taught us that if nothing Mm -hmm. else, (laughs) you just never know. Absolutely. It's definitely been the year of flexibility and creativity for sure. (laughs) Um, 
So coming back to the makeover, kind of thinking of those goals that someone might set of, I really Mm -hmm. want to do the makeover. You have this finite time to pick a horse, train it, get ready for this competition. What happens when things aren't going as planned and you kind of get in that darker headspace that maybe I made a mistake, that imposter syndrome's kicking in? Mm. What would you recommend to that person? Well, honestly, it really comes down to your personal belief, right? So your belief in yourself and your abilities, that imposter syndrome, it's it's really interesting because it comes up when we come against obstacles or let's see, say we like start seeing that other people are accomplishing things and we're looking and going, oh my gosh, they're so much farther ahead. And normally that happens, especially if we're looking at social media, don't do that. Ten, it mm-hmm. tends to not be reality. People like to put their highlights. So when you think of, of the why, first of all, why are you doing this? And then, you know, in order to have that why and that desire, somewhere in there, deep down, you have a personal belief that you can do it. And once you really tap into that personal belief and you can make that, I don't want to say mantra because I don't know how much I I really love the term mantra because it's been used so often and it's mm-hmm. in such a like a flippant way, but essentially you're creating your own um your own motivation your internal intrinsic motivation by reevaluating your belief in yourself and then looking at the horse and allowing them to reflect back on you that you can do a b c and d now if you're stuck in this place where you're saying okay like i maybe i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't have i don't think i can um when you're stuck there, it's very difficult to be able to see not only your own tries and your own accomplishments, you're also not going to be able to see that of your horses. So it's really important to break everything down to the smallest tries for both you and your horse. So when I say smallest tries, that will allow you to be able to see the smallest steps forward instead of really focusing on these this larger picture. It's really important to have the large picture. But I like to say, like, you get your big picture and then you set it aside and you don't look at it again, at it again for for quite some time because now all you need to do is look at it one step one try at a time. And then you can have these little mini celebrations along the way, rather than just focusing on this like giant task that then becomes overwhelming. Do you mind if I use a, so I know that some of your horses go into a trail obstacle competition. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you mind if Mm -hmm. I use a water box example for this? Please. So I use this in our in our clinics and I discuss this with with goal setting with people all of the time. So a lot of the times people will set their horse up at an at an obstacle. Specifically we use the water box because that tends to be something that people really do struggle with or horses tend to with their people. And so when they get there often they get to the front of the water box and the only thing in their mind is I have to get over there. My, my end goal is that I will be happy when my all four feet are on the other side of this water box. And when that happens, when we're, you know, we're not getting there as fast as we think we should, because, you know, the multitude of stories that happen that whether they, they should know better, they know how to do this. I've seen them walk through water before, um, all of these other things. I've done this before. When that happens, then frustration tends to rise quite quickly versus you say, okay, the end goal is all four feet are on the other side of the box. Now I don't care when I get there. So we know the end goal, but we're super, super flexible about how we get there. So now it offers you the opportunity to look and say, uh, where is my horse trying for me from the very beginning? That might be 20 feet away for, for one horse, and it might be three feet in for another horse. But it's that first mm-hmm. smallest try that you have the opportunity to say, yes, 
That's, that's the road that we're going on. And when you can break it down that far, that's when you can find those small successes. And it's such a, it's so much shorter road. Like it's, it's incredible how, how positive you can feel about the process, even if there's struggle in between. Oh, that is such a great analogy of it. And it's those small victories. I think we, we forget because they're just these Mm -hmm. small, short, moments, these little blips, because we're focused on that long-term goal. But you, oh, if you add it all together, it equals a whole. Yeah. I, think, I don't know. I like to use journaling for me personally. I write down and when I'm having a bad day or I didn't have the best ride, I like to look back and say, you know, we did do really well on this. We overcame this hurdle that we've been battling. Or I also, I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook, the shit adventures page is also a really great social media site of if you didn't have the best ride or you're feeling discouraged <laughs> to see other people who also didn't have the best <laughs> ride that day and know you're not alone. We all have really great days um, and not so great days. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would like to say, Joy, that in an effort to keep things PG, it's the shite adventures page. <laughs> oh, or thank sh- you, Jamie. Thank or you, Jamie. shite ventures page. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I'm an American. I'm an American. You just reminded me, and I'm, I'll, I know that we're probably short. I'm going to tell you this super, super quickly. So if any of your listeners are sitting there and going, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have, I'm like, uh, maybe I'm in over my head. Everybody else knows what they're doing except for me. I want to just give a really, really quick example of the fact that, you know, we all start somewhere. We all are a beginner at some at some point in our lives. So it does not matter what you're doing. We're always going to struggle at the, be- we're going to struggle all the way through. Who are we kidding? Like there's, there's, the struggle doesn't really leave, right? So when we're talking imposter syndrome, my, I have never told this story, just so you know, no one knows this. Get a pen, the, write it down. All right. The very first <laughs> podcast episode that I recorded, I, it was the first interview I should say was with Warwick Schiller. I had sent him a message. This was before my podcast was out. I sent him a message and said, would you be on my show? And he immediately said, yes. And I of course was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? So that was like major, get this done, figure it out. And when I sat down, I shouldn't even say sat down. I was standing up. When I went to do my interview with him, he showed up on video and totally caught me off guard. And I was like, oh gosh, he said, oh, sorry. I didn't realize this was audio. I've done, you know, I've done a few of these. So he stayed on video and I couldn't switch it to video because I was in my laundry room. <laughs> we all, you know what that's probably a really good place to record honestly oh, the audio is probably good in there exactly and that's why I was doing it because I wasn't set up like I am now in order to be able to you know move forward and and have all the systems in place and do all the things because I was a beginner and we all have to allow ourselves to be beginners and we all have to realize that you know it's, it's best just to start and then ask questions and just get the support that you need. Support is, is the, the biggest piece to the puzzle, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree well, completely with that. Yeah, great, great information. You uh, Tell everybody where they can find your podcast. My podcast would be on all of the channels, really, but Horse Radio Network is where you can find it most specifically because you know how to get there. And it's <laughs> take the reins. And I, yeah. And I guess if on my website, nikkiporter.ca, you're welcome to go there as well. So good to have you a part awesome. of the, the Horse Radio Network family. And thank you so much for coming on and dealing with our tech issues at the beginning oh there. Gosh. But I think it no all problem. worked out. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Nikki. All Thanks, right. Nikki. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions from cancel bags to horn bags and everything in between. Comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, you can visit an authorized dealer or you can visit cashelcompany.com. That's cashelcompany.com. 
Well, we are entering a new year shortly, thank God. If you're looking to start the year off right, then consider a new Bait Saddle. Bait Saddles are the saddle brand that truly puts your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimum balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Consider the new Bait's Artiste Dressage Saddle. It features a movable flexi-contour block, adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, and luxe leather. The new Bait's Artiste Dressage Saddle has a position so natural and a connection so sensitive that the saddle all but disappears and your performance is amplified. Let's hear what Ali Saxon of the United States Inventor has to say about it. I really like the streamline look that it gave. Um, I love the Avanta and I love the close contact of the Avanta. And I saw very similar features in this saddle as the Avanta had. So I was really excited to see how it felt once I sat in it. Sitting in it, I liked the close contact feel that it gave it right away. Um, with the Webers, it also gave the ability to kind of really wrap your leg around without having any interference. Um, right away, the balance felt super, uh, very comfortable. The panels were nice and soft on my thigh. Everything about the saddle was clearly well thought through, and as a rider, it's nice to sit down in a saddle that feels designed not just for you, but also for the horse's comfort. Learn all about Bait Saddles at BaitsSaddles.com. That's BaitsSaddles.com. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby! And now it's time for the new vocations, Winner's Circle, Adoptable Horse of the Week. As always, we are happy to have Leandra Cooper from New Vocations with us. And first of all, Merry Upcoming Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa, all the things, Hanukkah, all the, all the things. <laughs> Thank you. All the happy holidays to you as well. <laughs> so we, we are going to talk on this episode about how many horses are being adopted. I really thought that with the COVID crisis at the beginning of the year that we were all in big trouble and that is not the case. How have things been adoption wise at new vocations? Well, we have been more than surprised at the consistent adoption numbers, despite all the uncertainty and all the factors of unknown that this year has brought us. And we have seen record-setting numbers of adoptions from our facilities, which continues to amaze me. So now, while we have our half-off adoption fee special in December. So any horse leaving by the end of December, finding their home for the holiday is getting adopted at half their normal adoption fee. And it seems like they are just flying off the metaphorical <laughs> shelves. It, we, can't, we can't keep them around. People are still adopting, which is so heartwarming and just so exceptional. I am excited for all of these horses who continue to be able to find these amazing homes despite everything going on because it it just wow you know it's just blown me away it is it is awesome i'm i'm so excited for all these horses that are getting good homes now one thing that uh people might not think about is transitioning a horse from the racetrack to their home to an adoption facility to new vocations to horse and hound anything anything like that you know there's a a moment where the horse has been at the racetrack and they're in their stalls 23 hours a day. They are fed massive amounts of high energy food and they're kept really in, in shape. And then they come off the track and ooh, like oh, world changes. So when a horse right. comes off the track and comes to new vocations, what does it look like that transition? Well, for that, for that typical horse who's coming directly from the track, like you said, it's, we've, we're flipping their whole world upside down. And many of them, I think people would be surprised, are coming from very pampered homes. They have, they're very sheltered in some ways. So they're getting a lot of exposure because they're going to different tracks around the country many times. And they're, you know, they're traveling, they're around these busy environments. So there's so many benefits, so many things that they've already been exposed to. But we certainly get horses who are not used to the, the what we consider maybe in the off track sense to be typical horse things. So, um, you know, pastures, for example, like having to turn off time, 
um, being able to romp around in the mud, being able to graze all day. Those are things that are new. So when we have a horse who's coming directly from the track, we are really lucky to be able to, to have these nice round pens. And um, sometimes they are being escorted to the round pens with a little cocktail in their system too, to try to save them from themselves. But the first week or two, we devote entirely just to transitioning them to our schedule, to our environment. You know, we're getting horses from different parts of the country. Some horses are coming to us having just been in California. So they have this long haul that they've been on. So the first day or two is just decompression. Then, like I said, we're transitioning them when they're getting used to the turnout environment or going to their round pen. So it's small enough that they can't um, be a hazard to themselves because it can be really excitable and I'm very fortunate to have very experienced handlers who are not intimidated if um, the horses are a little excited, but it is all totally normal for those first couple of weeks for them to act abnormal, to, to be just in this transition mode. So, you know, that's something that even will reiterate to people, to adopters when they're transitioning to their next home, because it's still, they're all relatively still in that mindset. It takes years to really fully, totally adapt. But I do think, on the other hand, people would be surprised at how quickly some of them can take to this um, retired life from the track. This is a totally different pace from what they're used to. I mean, schedules on the track are very meticulous. They're getting hand walked. They're getting exercised. So everything about this transition, I cannot emphasize it enough, is totally new to them. Not to mention also that we're almost never getting any sort of like transitional grain with them. So we're, we're careful on every single part of that transition, but just back to the very generalized notion of it, the horses are getting used to being turned out for at least a couple hours a day in the round pen. And once they get a good sense of that, and they're also, meanwhile, generally, you know, we'll always have them out in the round pen with another horse that they can see that's close by and, Again, they're getting used to the whole atmosphere, the whole schedule, and we'll pair them up with a buddy who's more experienced in one of our smaller turnouts that are around just one acre, maybe a touch smaller. So a small paddock space, it's grassy, um, with somebody who knows what they're doing. We have one permanent resident, his name is Ranger, and he's our ultimate babysitter. So even some of the most rambunctious ones, Ranger can help teach them the ways of just being relaxed and placid and happy and munch. Uh, his priority is very much just on grazing. So he can establish the same sort of priorities with new horses. What is Once he? What graduated, kind of horse is he? Oh, you know what? He's a thoroughbred. Is he? You know? Yes. Yeah. He's, um, he was a failed racehorse. He has very well-known siblings, um, and I'm totally blanking. So anybody who's curious, I'm more at Ranger, please contact me because off the top of my head, I cannot think of, um, but I, I remember he has a very, I'm, I want to say he's in the discreet cat family. He has very well-known sibling. And we, there was a lot of hopefulness in his career, which uh, didn't happen for him because he has an abnormal limb. One of his hind legs just crooked. And um, they tried to surgically correct it because again, there he was big hopeful and it just didn't, stay the way that they wanted it to. So while it didn't set him up well to be a really competitive racehorse, we were lucky enough then to have him uh, come to us. It took him a little while to become a good babysitter, but now you would never guess that he's a thoroughbred if you have this stereotypical sense of like very race fit, um, tracky, high energy thing, because it's, we always sort of stop and stare when we see Ranger trotting or cantering through the field. It's like a unicorn moment where if he's he's does he in you know gets to the point where he uh, feels the need to trot or express himself like he's totally capable of moving he's no cripple but he just he has quite a belly now <laughs> feel the need to do that i see I, you, you mentioned him and i have i have duke so i get it but duke oh, is okay. uh duke is a little bit of everything so sure. <laughs> there's no determining <laughs> breeding in him at all um so yeah I think it's, it's really yeah. nice to have i always tell people that the best way to start a horse especially a nervous horse off the track is to have a really good saddle horse gelding right in front of them you know and to, to oh, follow yeah. them around and they're used to that so okay so sorry didn't mean to interrupt and talk about your your 
awesome ranger. But so oh, you yeah. go from yeah, the yeah. from the realm pin, and then once they're like a little more, how long do they spend in the realm pin before they get to do more? So that player sometimes will change that timeline depending on the horse and depending on their background. Um, you know, if they've had a little bit of experience, we always like to start them in the round pen, not just chuck them out in the field. But if they've come and they've been turned out for some uh, layup place before they came, then maybe they might graduate a little bit sooner. So we're I always give them a week or two. Some just need a little bit longer. And once they graduate, they're going to get their buddy, the buddy system, and go into one of our around an acre fields. And then we have... We're really lucky that we have uh, a couple different size fields. So at that point, we'll give them a, after they've graduated from their one-on-one time, they'll go into a field that has generally, we keep them no bigger than four horses in a field. So they might be in a five-acre field with four horses. And we always like to start them on day turnout. And most of our horses are on night turnout unless we get to a point where it's just consistently really cold, which in Kentucky, we don't have a ton of really cold weather. So um, we like to be able to keep them on night turnout as sort of the ultimate goal because it gives them the most amount of time outside. And I think we all know that the more time that they have outside and turnout, the better that they tend to be behaviorally under saddle, just gives them the time to get all that little extra wiggle energy out if that's what they need to do. So that's the trajectory for turnout. And all along the way, we're working on things that are other parts of the transition, like getting them used to cross size if they're not used to that. And once they're in a consistent turnout schedule, that's generally where we'll be working with them in their sort of baseline of under saddle work too. So we would start the groundwork. Oftentimes we're looking at how they're going in the round pen and once they're while they're transitioning in those small paddocks to, to their ultimate goal of hopefully being able to go out in something bigger and overnight then we're, we're still going to be doing things like lunging or long lining and looking at them assessing them all along the way because sometimes little things whether it's a lameness or quirks or whatnot will present themselves all along the way so mm-hmm. it's important to acknowledge both the physical and the mental different transitions throughout those, especially first couple weeks, but even for the first month or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it sounds like, you know, I, I, the main takeaway of that was just look at the dang horse and see what it's telling you it needs. I mean, that's kind of the, absolutely. the, the same thing. Now, one horse that we are going to highlight today, it seemed I was looking through new vocations website and it, there are a lot of adopted stamped along the front of the pictures of all these horses. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. So one horse that is available right now is star dreamer, star dreamer, barn name Stella. She is a three-year-old mare, 16, one hand dark Bay, and she's got a pretty big asking price. $2,500. Wait, no, that's cut in half. She's only 1250 until mm-hmm. the end of the month. Tell us about her. Yeah, so she. this is a really neat horse because she's already had, she's been off the track for over a year. She was just hanging out in a field. So she's already had that whole transition time. She had it before she came to us. And because of that, you can see how it reflects in her body. If you take a look at her picture up on our website at horsemapture.com, the pictures show she is quite round. She does not have your stereotypical race fit look to her she's very well adjusted to her and nope she hasn't had any track. babies she's not pregnant she's just an easy keeper she sure is not <laughs> <laughs> she's just really working on her huntery figure she's trying to embrace <laughs> that whole style and boy is she doing a good job so this is a horse who you i mean you would never guess that she's three years old she shows a lot of maturity because she's had a lot of time in turnout before she ain't got to us she is very comfortable in lots of different surroundings. She's quiet, doesn't have any stall vices. If she's in the barn, she's a good buddy in turnout. But she also, the first time I brought her in the indoor, it was windy and cold. And we always kind of anticipate that they might see their own shadow, which could startle them. It's just a very different environment to work 
in the indoor rather than the outdoor. And she just didn't bat an eye at anything. So yeah. I was very impressed with her. And even though we've only had her in a couple of rides so far, she's one that I put up on the website. One, because all the horses are getting adopted. And two, because we just felt like there, there's no, there's no skeletons in the closet for her. You know, she retired with no known injuries. This is a very, um, you know, plain wears it on her sleeve and is very bold, very confident. This is just a three-year-old that somehow has already got herself pretty well figured out. And, you know, she still needs mileage under saddle, but for the right person, she's going to be such a cool horse. I'm really excited to see what she's going to do in the future. All right. Well, you can find Star Dreamer online at horseadoption.com. And uh, you can also see a really cute video of her video of her going around in the indoor. And Leandra, as always, you're awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us another year. And we look forward to talking to you next year. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And I do want to actually add, because I did a quick search, so I don't want to totally embarrass myself that um, Ranger, whose registered name is R, the letter R, Ranger, is a full sibling to Discreet Cat, who himself was a grade one stakes winner. Uh-huh. So, so that was the relation. So he has actually a very famous full brother. We're very lucky. I think that he is just as valuable to us to be a babysitter here to help all these guys transition. That's uh, great that he has such a good get home and a, and a job to do. I love it. Leandra, as always, thank you so much. We'll speak to you again next year. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. You can also find the where the links are to our winter must-haves that we did. You can like us on Facebook, search for Retired Racehorse Radio, or follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can follow Jamie's on her Facebook page at Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings Certified Monty Roberts Instructor, or shoot her an email at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.